to the road gig. Hi everybody, welcome to the show. I'm going to bring in entertainers. We're going to talk about their road gigs, the career in general, what got them into what they do. So today we're going to have a guest coming up. His name is Jim Kellner. He's a hypnotist. He's been on TED Talk. I think one of the only hypnotists that's been on that show. Uh, part of a TED Talk, everybody knows that. Those as um, important people go there and talk. That's pretty much it. If you're important, you have something to say, they have you talk at the TED Talk. So it's a pretty big deal. He's also good at hypnosis to help you stop smoking and stop um, eating, I guess, um, lose weight, um, which is pretty good. I wish people could hypnotize me to start smoking and then start drinking. So I'll be more fun at parties. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to ha- have him come into the podcast. So I'm just working on that right now. Supporting to add him on to the the show. He's on the line waiting. Probably mad at me. See? Hello, Jim. Kildner. Are you there? Hey, Ali. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. And um, you got close to pronouncing my name right. Those, <laughs> those, those pretty close. I try to mumble it so that it doesn't, so you can't really tell I'm not pronouncing it right. I hear like a E, then like you bell on it, and then like a O at the end. All right, say it again for me. El Alio. El Alio. It's okay, man. So it's fine. <laughs> I can't. Yo, E. Somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody told me that I pronounce it different every time myself. So. <laughs> and and your name again is Kim Kilner, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm just joking. So Jim Kilner, thanks for calling in. Um, I know you told me you had a haircut um, uh, appointment that you couldn't miss. No, uh, I'm joking. That's right. I'm just really- I'm just roasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I was bald instead of have a giant forehead. Like, you know, bald at least has a certain look. When you have a, a receding hairline, people are going to look at you like, um, he has hair, but does he really? Should he have? <laughs> They're judging your, your combing and your hairline. But when you're bald, I don't be just bald. It's, it's move, move, keep it moving. Um, but yeah, Jim Kellner is a, is a, well, describe yourself. You're a hypnotist. Are you like, um, you have a common hypnosis show? Is one of the things you do. What is it that you like to be called a hypnotist or a mentalist? Or, can you tell me a little bit more about? Uh, yeah, probably, uh, you know, hip, uh, master hypnotist is the, uh, is the uh, term that I usually uh, use because it kind of encompasses everything because I'm a, I'm a comedy stage hypnotist and I'm a hypnotherapist. I also do speaking gigs. And as you said, I did a, a TEDx, you know, I'm one of, there's a, there's a few hypnotists out there that have done TEDx, but uh, I'm one of the few that have done it, uh, especially uh, actually on hypnosis. Cool. So they, they've had other hypnosis on the show that are there not talk about hypnosis? You, I'm sorry, what was that? 
There's had other hypnotists on the on TED Talk that are there not to talk about hypnosis. Well, there's been a few that talked about hypnosis, but then there's been a few that have talked about other things like mindfulness and and other things like that. So, um, but you know, as far as all the hypnotists in the world, there's uh, there's not a whole lot of us that have done TEDx talks. So it's uh, it's a pretty cool uh, experience, and uh, you know, I was really honored to be able to do that at uh, at uh, Grand Canyon University. If it's something you know, if you're if your uh, listeners you know want to check it out, it's uh, they just type in Jim Kellner and then TEDx, they can find it. It's called, uh, if you can't be hypnotized, you lose because I find a, a lot of people tell me that they can't be hypnotized and really, you know, basically everyone can be hypnotized. It's just some people just kind of respond a little quicker than others. That's all. Yeah. Um, I get hypnotized by fast food commercials and billboards. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's the hypnotism a little bit. Um, it, you know, it really is. This is why this is why um, television advertising is so um, it's so popular and so um, effective is because it's it's you're actually you know hypnosis just happens during certain brain waves is all and so um, but it happened but um, watching TV puts you in those same brain waves so you are basically hypnotized when you're you know so when you go to buy that favorite laundry detergent is it really your favorite or is it because you were hypnotized to like it exactly. You know, is, is your is your is your mom's food really that good? You know, is what? hypnotized. If you're like, it, right, you know exactly. how people say their mom's food is is a comfort food. Like, is it really oh, good? Oh yeah, exactly. Just, yes. You remember the, yeah. the time you got hypnotized with the 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 best food? Um, yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a stand up comedian, and you do stand up also in your in your hypnosis comedy show. Is that something mm-hmm. you always wanted to do? Part of your show? Is it something you? were requested to do or just saw that opportunity to, to combine stand-up comedy with a hypnosis show? So the thing is, is I, I always wanted to be a performer. Um, ever since I can remember, uh, I was just, I was painfully shy growing up. I mean, I was, I was just unbelievably shy. In fact, uh, I, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a real drinking problem in high school because the only way I could even talk to girls was if I was, if I was drinking and yeah. Uh, it was a liquid courage. And so I always wanted to be a performer, but I was too afraid to try. And, uh, and finally I started, uh, I took, I took an acting class when I was 27. It was terrifying. And then, um, I sort of got more comfortable with that. And then I tried to stand up probably, I didn't start stand up until I was probably 35 or something at my first open mic. And, and I just started doing it and, uh, it was, you know, it was scary. You know, when people tell me, Oh, I'm too afraid to speak in front of people. I'm like, yeah, we all are. I mean, yeah. most everybody that I've ever talked to that's a performer, uh, was scared, you know, scared to death the first few times they did it. Not all of them, but, but for the vast majority, they were scared to death the first few times. It just gets easier. Um, and then I started, so then, um, once I started doing hypnosis, uh, a friend of mine, Adam Norwest, who owns um, uh, one of the owners of uh, Tacoma Comedy Club, he said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to combine the two? You want to do a, a comedy hypnosis show?" And of course, I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." And then then I panicked because I didn't know what I was going to do, but, uh, <laughs> but it all came together. <laughs> That's what I remember. Um, so here's the thing, this, and this is a great one because I've, I've ran into a few people. In fact, it's funny because I have a podcast too, and I invited someone to be on it and she had never done a podcast and then she was like well let me think about it she goes oh i don't think i'm ready and i think about what uh uh, richard branson said something like if you're given an opportunity take the opportunity and figure out how to do it later or something like that 
because yeah, that, uh, that's kind of what I'm in the in the in because you know I have an accent, but I don't speak Spanish well. Uh, <laughs> I, that, yeah, that's, that's funny to me. It's like uh, just I never knew I had an accent, so it's hard to understand comedy. People are like, you know, funny accent. I'm like, I didn't know I have an accent because growing up, you know, everybody talks the same. So yeah. I would tell people I used to be an English tutor, and they would just laugh. I'm like, I don't get what. <laughs> Um, That's pretty cool. No, but uh, I just got offered, like, somehow they found my flyer on some old Mexican nightclub where I used to do shows, maybe like a Spanish show I did. You know, I had other more experienced comics through the bulk of the comedy. But, you know, they mm-hmm. offered a Spanish gig for a Father's Day show. And I took the opportunity. I got other comedians, but, you know, me, I don't have a lot of Spanish material, but I'm going to take the opportunity to just work on it. Same sure. thing um, two of the other one of the community's experience, so he'll carry a load. So, you know, I, I just took the opportunity, but I've noticed a lot of comedians are afraid to take opportunity for shows unless they are prepared for those shows. Exactly, but, uh, yeah. But I noticed if I get hired for, like, a company party, I have to come up with jokes about that company. I can't say, sure. oh, no, I'm not ready. But I have to just write them out. I can't really try to yeah. out uh, open mics either. So it's almost like you're professional. You almost have to take... Like you said, you want to be an entertainer. So sometimes when they yeah. hire you, you just have to take the gig and do whatever, you know, as best as you can, what they ask you to do and get paid, you know. Yeah, the thing is, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know if anyone's ever really ready for that next step. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I was, I just, in fact, I just went out and did some uh, street hypnosis with some folks yesterday. And, uh, mm-hmm. and there were a few, there were a few uh, people that are hypnotists, but they've never done street hypnosis before. It's a, it's a completely different thing because mm-hmm. you're, the fail, you, you know, you could fail pretty easily because not everyone's great at being hypnotized, you know, with people watching and it's sunny day and everything. So, um, mm-hmm. and then the thing that was, the thing that was, it's like, I just want to shake them and go, no, you can't wait. Um, but they would say, well, I just want to watch this time. I just want to watch. And it's like, you know, you'll never get good at it. Just watching, you know, watch a little bit and then you got to jump in and then figure out where you made the mistakes and then, and just keep trying and keep failing. There, there are people who, like to talk about what they're going to do. So oh, yeah. that makes them feel like they're doing something. Me as a, a comedy producer, I produce shows all the time. Like I've had people, you know, fans behind me out and say, Oh, I'm I'm thinking of trying it, but I wanna check out some open mics first and like just Oh yeah. Open just do it, just I'll I'll put you on a real show, I'll put you on my show. You know, three minutes, yeah. just work on it. But it's almost like Either they're afraid of failure or they feel that talking to people about it and being kind of involved in that circle without doing it mm-hmm. is enough for them. Like, they feel like they've been something. Like, kind of like their talent is, you know, BSing people. Like, you know, <laughs> their, talent, yeah. their talent is being full of crap. I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad way, but we all know those people. Right. Oh, yeah. We all, we, we all have that. Party though we all, we all say oh no I'm gonna work out you know I'm gonna eat better yeah. so it's like human thing is to talk about it you feel like you're on the way to do it but mm-hmm. I feel like the the entertainment business have a lot of people who just talk about it because they want to feel like they're part of it without doing the work and like getting you know, failure you know yeah you know that's the thing you know I've just like you I've had people I've had so many people come up to me after a show and go oh my god I've always wanted to do this how do I do this. And, 
And, you know, I mean, I charge, I charge about 300 bucks an hour to work with people, you know, with hypnotherapy and stuff. Mm. But I offer them, I tell them, hey, look, this is what you do. Um, write down a couple of jokes, go to your open mic, fail, because as you know, that, that first few, I've only seen, I've literally, in all the times I've been to open mics, I've seen maybe two people kill it their first time. They, um, mm-hmm. it's usually, it's awful. And I tell them, go fail, because that's the only way you're going to find out. And then I say, then I tell them, I say, and remember, I charge 300 bucks an hour, and I say, I will help you for free. You email me later, and I will mentor you. I will help you. I have not had one single person follow up. Yeah, some people don't want to put in the work. I, I, I've got an internship, you know, some, by going on the road with um, some headliners. And no, not not paid, you know. Sometimes they give advice the, the nice way. But, you know, yeah. I kind of, you know, listen. Uh, it doesn't always work out, the advice for me. Particularly for me, it doesn't work. But at least I get to try sometimes. You say it works for me. I doesn't mean yeah. it works for everybody. Yeah. But um, some people, a lot of people I, I noticed, it's anti. I, I, this, uh, I forgot the, the guy who wrote a book called um, "The Dead: The Death of uh, Experts." Nobody mm. respects anybody who's an expert who put the work into not to learn something, because now everybody just goes on social media or just does it and gets validation from mm. people around them. But that's enough for them. Gotcha. In their head, they know what you know what they're doing, or they know enough where mm. they could do that. But um, so speaking of um, advice, okay, so I'm a comedian, so I've gone road tours and road gigs. As a hypnotist, did you start off doing open mic hypnotism at smaller venues and move your way up to to something as prestigious as TED Talk? Or is there a a learning curve for hypnotists, or do you just start off already having a, a solid show? Or do you open mic? Well, you know, you learn, like you know what I mean. Like, on, you yeah. you have your uh, learning stage. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, so um, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. I I don't recommend the way I did it because um, it was it was a tough road because um, you know I had I'd um, I basically taught myself and uh, yeah. and um, you know there are courses out there. You know, you can go and you can learn from people um, and you can take a course. And, uh, the problem was like, I was, I was just, I was basically, I was working part-time and doing, doing standup as a feature act. And, you know, as a feature act, you barely get enough money to pay for your hotel and gas. Um, yeah. and so, so I didn't have the money to take a course, you know, I didn't, I didn't have it. So, uh, I, I was sort of forced to just kind of put together my own, sh- my own, my own thing. And I, I watched a bunch of uh, videos and I, you know, I already knew hypnosis. So, I mean, I guess, everyone's, I guess what I would say is everyone's road is going to be different, but here's the one thing too, because I also get people asking me, you know, Hey, how can I, how can I become a, you know, a comedy hypnotist? And the thing I always tell them is let the hypnosis cut, you know, don't try to combine them at first. You got to get out there. And I always tell people go to open mics, uh, you know, go to Toastmasters, uh, go to improv classes, these kind of things. And um, because you want to, you want to become a good performer first. And I'll tell you what, this is this is what they tell me each and every time. Oh, I'm 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 comfortable on stage. I I'm I you know. And these are not people that are performers. They're just they're just everyday folks. But they think that they've they've had enough stage time. And I think anybody who actually is a performer realizes that you'll never have enough stage time. 
You know, I mean, you, you take every opportunity you can get to get more stage time. And so it's, it's a little bit frustrating to me because those are, those are free options. You can go to an open mic, you can take it, or you can take a cheap improv class, you know, pay 50 bucks or whatever, hundred bucks to join Toastmasters. Um, but they want to jump right in and, 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 and then they end up with these, these shows that, because there's a lot of comedy hypnotists that aren't really that funny. And that's what I hear from club owners all the time. You know, uh, I just had one in Tucson tell me, you know, I've had uh, three comedy hypnotists. Uh, one of them was funny. Uh, it was Michael DeShallot. And uh, he goes, this other one, I won't tell you his name, but he was a great hypnotist, but he wasn't funny. Yeah, that, that, that's, um, that's hard. And, and stand up too, where, um, let's say the first the first impression they get from a, a comedian or a comedy show and if it isn't that funny, they assume mm-hmm. everybody's not going to be funny, especially yeah. in smaller oh, towns yeah. or especially if you're a local comedian. Like if yeah. one local comedian is not funny or nobody shows up, you know, because of whatever mm-hmm. whatever issue whatever issue the first person has, they assume that's that's across the board true for everybody yeah. who does that. Um, yeah. But do you remember, so you did comedy as a feature, did you start touring already as a headlining hypnotist, or did you first feature as a hypnotist, or do you, do you have road gigs that you remember that you did as a hypnotist just to get them out of the way, like you worked way up, maybe some, you know, yeah. your, um, so do you, what's your yeah. first road gig that you remember with, as a hypnotist, like when you're the headlining act, you remember that? Yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, and that's one of the problems with being a stage hypnotist is, uh, is it's, there aren't really, it's not really a great, it's, it's tough to do open mics with, with comedy hypnosis. Uh, you can go and we'll see this way. I would say, go do some jokes, go, go tell some jokes and stuff. So you at least get some, get your timing down and stuff. But, you know, uh, most open mics at the most will give you 10 minutes and that's really pushing it. Usually it's two or three yeah. minutes, maybe five. And so that's not enough time to, to really do some jokes and hypnotize people and, and, and create some funny stuff. So uh, we sort of have to just, we kind of have to like practice our hypnosis and practice our comedy separately and then bring them together. So my first gig ever was at Tacoma Comedy Club. And uh, I was terrified. Uh, I was I was just shaken. And the other thing too is is we don't we don't generally feature. I think I featured one time as a comedy hypnotist because it's it's a little bit hard to follow a comedy hypnosis show just because yeah. it's um it's it's such a different kind of comedy, a different kind of phenomenon that it's a little tough. And then plus we generally we want more time because it takes time because we got to tell some jokes, then we got to hypnotize people. And then make them do funny stuff. So yep. um, I, I I featured one time, uh, and the rest have been have been have been headlining. Yeah, I do remember it like as a feature act, just you know going out on the road and and uh, and playing. I mean, you know, you put in you put in your time doing those really those awful gigs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then I did some awful gigs as a headliner, as a as a comedy hypnotist headliner. You know, I I remember. Uh, uh, going to, to this one place over in, uh, on the coast here in Washington. And, uh, it was, I get there and it's this tiny little place. And the stage was, I mean, it really wasn't big enough for a comedy hypnosis show. I mean, I had to crunch the people in on their chairs and uh, there were 15 people in the audience and it was, and it just so happened that like a couple other hypnotists from the area came and watched. And I was just, I was, it was my, it was the worst show I'd had in like two years. And I was, I was so embarrassed and uh, it was, it was just awful. I mean, it was a good show. It was, it was for what I could do, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do much, you know? 
Um, so I've seen, I, I booked you uh, at a show, you did great. I've seen comedy, comedian bomb. I know how that feels when you bomb. How, how is yeah. it when a hypnotist bombs? Like, what does that entail? Like, what is that? How, how, how does that go? Like, you bombed how people weren't getting hypnotized, or people were, how was it? Like, how did it go? How did you bomb? Like, as a hypnotist? What does bombing mean to well, well, so, and, that's, and that's the really scary thing about doing comedy hypnosis because we have many opportunities to, to bomb. So, <laughs> number one, <laughs> because number one, you know, our, the biggest fear is like not enough people are going to show up because even though everyone can be hypnotized, like some people just don't feel comfortable enough to, to kind of uh, either focus or relax enough in front of a room full of people and do silly stuff. Whereas, you know, if I put you in a chair in a, in a quiet room or something, you know, then of course you can, you can relax and you can be hypnotized. But, but um, so I need those people that are going to feel comfortable enough to come up and volunteer to be on stage. So generally speaking, uh, you can get it. You can count on about 20% of the, of the population that's going to be really good stage hypnosis volunteers. And so if you've got, you know, 15 people in the audience, that comes out to like three people. And then you've got the next hurdle is, um, even those people that volunteer, not all of them are going to go into hypnosis sometimes because, uh, and it's and it's kind of funny too because people ask me, "Wow, isn't it scary to perform in front of like two or three hundred people?" I'm like, "No, that's easy. It's performing in front of ten people that's tough." You know, you probably yep. noticed that too, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a group. There's a group dynamic, and so the group dynamic helps in people getting hypnotized. It also helps you know, the comedy part. So the other part is, so then what if nobody gets, so number one concern is nobody shows up. Number two concern is nobody gets hypnotized. Uh, and then number three, maybe that, that your, your jokes bomb and stuff. But you know, even if your jokes bomb, if you can make other people be funny, people are going to still have a good time. To answer your question. Yeah. 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 And I'll tell you, so I can, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So, uh, and that's why, um, it's, you know, so we've got all these different hurdles. I did one show one time where it was, it was absolutely awful. It was one of my early shows and I show up and the guy, the guy at the place tells me, Oh yeah, we always get lots of people out to this event. It was like a benefit show they do every year. And I was like, Oh sweet. This is going to be great. And I ended, we ended up having like literally eight people in the audience. Uh, five of them were these people that were over 70 sitting in the front row with their arms crossed, looking angry. <laughs> um, I ended up getting like four people to volunteer and two of them were the other comics. Nobody got hypnotized. So it was, it was awful because uh, it turns out that the, the, the stage monitors weren't working, so they couldn't even hear my instructions. I don't know why somebody didn't raise their hand and tell me that, but uh, afterwards that's what I found out. So it was, it was absolutely awful. You still got paid, right? Still got paid. Yep. And the guy guy apologized for nobody showing up. And what, and what I did to save that show was I said, hey, if there's anybody that wants to, you know, number one, uh, this is back when I was doing more stand-up. So I had more, I had more stand-up jokes. So I could just keep doing more stand-up jokes. Um, and as you see, as you know now, I mean, I don't do much stand-up, so I don't have that many <laughs> great jokes. Um, but uh, I don't know what show we did. No, thanks. Thanks. I, you know, I really, really rely on the, on the people in the audience and the people that I'm, I bring up to be funny, but, um, yeah. and then I also was able to bring up, um, I was able to bring up somebody that wanted to quit smoking and just, I just did sort of a mini session right there. 
uh, I just did a show recently where there were, it was just an awful show. And I ended up, I ended up, uh, it was this tiny little bar and, um, I ended up just telling, you know, telling some stories, telling some funny stuff, and then got somebody to come up, and she was she was amazing, fortunately. Yeah, that, that's a great thing. I never even thought of uh, hypnotist having to improvise and kind of save a show. I never thought of that. Because, you know, I just, from the stand-up side, I see that, and I've done that. But I never seen, yeah. like, I never thought of a, a hypnotist, you know, also relying on having to be quick and, you know, improv- you know improvise something to, to save the show. That's, that's interesting to know. Well, I'll tell you, this is, this is why, I, this, and this is another reason why I tell people, go do some stand-up open mic or learn some, some mental magic or a few magic tricks or something like this because you want to have that stuff to back up, to, to, to bring in, because here's the thing. Exactly. Apparently, they'd had a, they'd had a hypnotist um, a few weeks before me, and apparently the guy bombed. And, uh, I mean, just, it was awful. And so, and they even told me about it. They said, hey, you know, I don't know if you, you know, how good you are, but this guy really bombed. And I looked up his stuff, and apparently he's a corporate hypnotist. So, um, and so am I, but I, I take these road gigs sometimes because, you know, make some extra money if I'm in the area. And, uh, yep. the, and, uh, the, uh, and so we can, here's the thing. When, if you're not used to doing the bars and things like that, then it's going to be really tough. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're, if you're used to doing a corporate show where uh, you've got 100 people in the audience, two, three, 400 people, that's, that's easy. I mean, this is what's so funny. People don't realize that that's the easiest stuff. You know, uh, it's, those, it's those little ones. And apparently he didn't have much experience with that or something. And, and uh, I felt really lucky to be able to pull it off, really. They, they were so effusive with their praise afterwards. The bartender was like, oh, my God, thank you. That was great, you know. Yeah, I learned, um, I used to work with a headliner, and his advice was, like, he doesn't care what's funny as long as he, I mean, well, as long as he doesn't bomb, like, he does whatever, crowd work, and so the crowd knows mm-hmm. the, the venue, whatever he needs to do not to bomb. That's what his, his advice. Yeah. And the, the road gigs, um, I, I, as a as a booker, sometimes I'll book um, a bar show or uh, put on my own shows, and um, some comedians, I can't book them on there because I know they can't or at least from what I see, can't um, handle a bar. I might be wrong. Bookers are yeah. wrong. That's uh, what I tell them. I tell them myself, <laughs> like, you're wrong. I'm not do that. But um, I've done shows where very experienced comedians from TV and everything, small crowd, or they don't have the improvisational skills anymore. Because yeah. Don't use them because they're just used to maybe theaters or comedy clubs, and they maybe not do as many bars as, you know. Yeah, Absolutely. I, um, yeah, because like a comedy club is like a dream because those people they all they all knew they were coming to see a comedy show. When you do a bar show, sometimes people didn't even know there was going to be a show that night, you know. And they're, or they're mad. Some of them are, yeah, because there's a comedy show. They're like, I just want to hang out with my friends or go dancing or something, you know. Yeah, I've been I've been cussed out. Have you ever had you have you ever had a heckler like a, on the road like a real bad heckler like that you handled as a hypnotist like. Well, do you have a lot of hecklers or never had one? I find I don't get a whole lot of hecklers um, these days. The the I'll tell you the kind of hecklers that I sometimes get now, which are which are the more difficult ones, are the ones that are trying to help, you know, um, or they're just oh, too yeah. loud. They're 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 just drunk. You know those people that are trying to help. You know, you start to. You know, you start to you, you you start to tell your joke, and then they finish the punchline or something, or they shout something out and it kills your punchline. Like, ah, thanks. You know, 
Uh, yeah, that's that, that happened at, at, the, at the show I did with you. I, I she was doing that for the whole show. I roasted her, but I like how you just mm-hmm. told her to keep it down. And that was, it was more effective your way because my way she kept. I, I riffed on her, but I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Has anybody anybody interrupted the hypnosis process where you try to stop it because it was interrupting the process and you couldn't hypnotize them because somebody was talking? Maybe not hypnotizing, but just people were just talking. Or yeah, it's not I, I just, Yeah, I do sometimes uh, have to have to say, hey, you know, we need to, you know, I need just need a few more minutes of, of quiet, you know, because as you know, as you you watch the hypnosis show, doing the hypnosis part, um, you know. It's it's not absolutely necessary to be quiet always, but it's it's ideal if it is. And so um, so yeah, I have had to I have had to tell people one of the problems that I've I've uh, that happens oftentimes at, at clubs and stuff is that people just have too much to drink, and so they don't realize how loud they're talking. They don't realize that this is not the time to. Oh, and the other thing that I ran into recently at a at, a, at, a, um, at an NA convention was. People were shouting out, "Oh my God, look at Mary! You know, look at look at Joe and stuff." And and if they're in hypnosis, they're they're going to start kind of coming out of it because they're like, "Wait, somebody just said my name," you know. So so I have to like, "Hey, hey, keep it down." So I don't really find I I haven't God, I'm, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I've been really lucky that I haven't had like a bad heckler, like an like an angry heckler or a, an a hole kind of a heckler in a long time. Do you remember the first time like that happened to you, like? I do remember this one guy and I don't even know. I, I don't remember. I don't know if I've ever had a really bad one, but I've had, I remember there was this one guy I was doing a show a long time ago and I was emceeing and, uh, and it's funny what you see, you know, I wanted to, and that's right. I wanted to comment too on what you said about, you know, if, if they see a comedian and they're not very funny, they're going to assume the rest of the show is not funny. A lot of times people yeah. put like the newbie on as an MC. Um, and that's really the, you really got to have somebody that's got some solid jokes and stuff to open up the show. You don't, don't put the new guy as the, Control MC, the crowd you, know. Think, you know, yeah, they gotta, and that's, yeah. And that's one of the frustrating things too, is when it's in somebody that's inexperienced, you know, they don't know how to, how to stop the hecklers, you know, because here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm the, if I'm the headliner, I kind of expect that by the time it gets to me, the hecklers have already been addressed. Like anybody's got a heckle, you know, the MC or the feature took care of it and said, "Hey, we're not doing that in this show." You know, we're not. So if you can you hypnotize me so I don't say "yep" so much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I remember this one guy. He was just he was just talking loud. He's in the front row. So it's funny. Like this, there was like there was like this huge room, and the guy could have went into the back, or he could have went to another part of the, the place. And he's sitting in the front row and he's talking and he's talking. And I'm, I'm keep telling him, please, dude, shut up. And I wasn't, I was still new. And this is what I'm saying. Like, you shouldn't put the new guy as the MC. And so the feature kind of, uh, you know, kind of had a little bit of trouble with him, not too much. And then when the headliner came out, she ripped him. I mean, she tore him up. And it was like, yeah. And the whole crowd was, was behind her and, and it was fantastic. But, you know, she shouldn't have had to deal with that. I should have already been able to handle that. Yeah, I, I've done shows. I mean, I, I learned, you know, I made mistakes too. The idea with the heckler is to, not to have the room turn on you. Oh, yeah. If you're very blunt with them, you tend to shut up or, you know, cuss them out, like, yeah. without trying to be funny. 
making a positive, yeah. making a positive show or something, then people just yeah. turn on you and they think you couldn't handle it. And then, you know, because I've had headliners do that or newer, newer headliners, you know, and I'm like, wow, they, they, they just, you know, deflate the whole room when it gets real. You know, you're still an entertainer and the yeah. people are still heckling you, but people around you still want to be part of it, entertain. You know, there, there's a heckler. I did one club and the contract said if, they, if you don't handle a heckler or you don't tell the management to get rid of them, you weren't going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't pay yeah, if you let the heckler take over. So, so it's almost like our job to handle hecklers in a nice, in a good way. Not not like everybody's like all of a sudden, you see the comic, he, he cussed out this poor guy in the front. All of a sudden, the, the person in the front is the bad guy. I mean, the good guy. Oh, yeah. That's the, and, that's the, and that's the bad thing. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the worst ones, and I'm sure you've, you've noticed this too, are women hecklers because, um, Lord, you, you have to be very delicate with women or the crowd will turn very quickly on you. I had one show, my comic friend, he was a host, and he was saying, you know, dirty jokes, and then she was into it, and then he was joking very vulgar with her, and she was laughing. Then I went on stage, and I made a Raider joke about the Raiders, mm-hmm. and that got her mad. Like she wanted to fight me, got to hold her back. But my friend was super graphic. I don't know, to the bathroom, all this stuff, and she was, and she was going, initiating all these dirty conversations with him. And I brought the Raiders up, and I was like, wow, he's in the back, cussing me. And like, then, you know, you, in the whole time, I was just, you know, scared. I, uh, I, I, I left her to the back door after my friend. But um, <laughs> it's, it's so funny because they're just gonna be delicate. I'm like, well, my friend was just so dirty, and, she, and I, I was delicate, and she was mad because I, I was a touchy subject with the Raiders. But um, mm, yeah, also old older people, you can't you can't um, heckle or or sometimes if you say something that you shouldn't, you kind of like if they're older or their family members there. I learned that. Yeah, um, you know sometimes. You get offensive and get visually mad at you. So after somebody rushes stage and beat me up, I learned not to not to be vulgar <laughs> with people talking. You know, I'll tell you uh, one of the best one of the best things that, that and this is and this is something that that we great if other comics would 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 pick up on other entertainers. My friend Susan Jones, she's a headliner here in Seattle, and uh, what she'll do. Is uh, and she will she will tear up a, a, a heckler from the stage. I mean, she will she'll be funny at first, and then and then she will just rip them apart. But what she'll do, like if you're emceeing or featuring or something, and somebody out there is talking or mouthing off or something, she'll just go stand by them. And so many times, or just sit by them. You know, she'll just kind of and then maybe even even give them a tap on the shoulder and just shake her head, you know, or something like that. So anytime that it's somebody that's not on stage doing it, it's really super helpful. And in fact, I've started including this in my uh, performance writer when I do corporate shows or birthday parties and stuff is that yeah. please designate someone that's going to handle those people. Because if I have to do it, then I become the bad guy. Whereas if, if somebody just goes out there and goes, you know, that's, that's, you know, maybe a friend, you know, that's maybe in, in HR or something or a friend of the birthday person goes, Hey, could you keep it down? You know, or something uh, it's, it's going to be a lot more effective and the show will be a, run a lot smoother. Yeah. I've done it. When I tell somebody to keep it down, the uh, uh, person putting on, putting on the show, people get upset mm-hmm. and they leave, which is fine. Um, one had a yeah, table. That's great. And they only bought one beer, so then like, the, the venue was yeah. And they already exactly. paid a ticket, so I'm like, whatever. 
Um, yeah. I've had headliners tell me, like, I'm, if that person is still talking, I'm not going to go up. So, oh, wow. Uh, if I, yeah, if I'm hosting, I have to, like, I, I, I would I would not introduce the host, I mean, the headliner, until they're quiet or leave. And that's why I just mm-hmm. do something. Like, you know, I've done that before. But mm-hmm. there's some occasions where there's not there's a whole room just heckling the headliner, and I can't tell mm-hmm. everybody to leave. So it's almost right. to a point the headliner lost them. I had one show. I won't say names, but I had a headliner who was mm-hmm. having a documentary film or something. But it was a, he came off very negative at the beginning. He said, I'm not going to do good because you guys look like you guys aren't going to like me. And then people were like, what are you talking about? And then the other group started, he got to start getting heckled by people that like he was negative. And other people were heckling the hecklers to leave him alone. And then it was just like 30, 40 minutes of just people heckling each other, heckling him. And I just stood and wow. let him hand, hand I'm like, I'm paying this guy. I'm like I, I can't control the room. I can't pay every. I can't tell everybody to be quiet and leave. There's like yeah. there's a point where the headliner because everybody was the show. Nobody was heckling the whole show. The headliner made them mm-hmm. heckle by. Sometimes as a performer on the road, it's your fault that you make the room turn on you. It could be a perfect room, but you yeah. could say something that offends people, or you could say something negative, and sometimes you're on your own up there. You can't really mm-hmm. sometimes you know especially on the road, you can't always have somebody rescue you if you're bombing or have people heckling. So that's why it's good to go on the road because you guys like the wild west. You got to survive up there on your own. And, um, yeah. But um, what's worse, what's worse than um, getting heckled for comics who just go on autopilot and ignore everybody and just on stage where nobody's paying attention. Mm, and it's yeah. almost like, I don't know. Some people just don't want to adapt to the road and just, I'm going to do my act and that's it. Nobody listening, I don't care. Yeah. But um, switching a little bit from the road, um, there's a lot of hypnotism in movies and TV. is always exaggerated. As a real hypnotist, there's something in movies or TV that you see in hypnotism, how it's portrayed that really annoys you, like that's not how it is or well, that's pretty accurate. Is there like a certain example in a popular movie or TV show where I haven't this even happened and you're like, that's not how it works? You know, I'll tell you, I, it's, it's, I literally, I've never seen, I've literally never seen a movie or TV show that portrayed hypnosis accurately. That's, that's it. Except, oh, except for Mythbusters one time. They did an episode and they, they showed it and it was accurate. It was, it was completely accurate, you know. Um, it's, you know, it's so funny because hypnosis has this rap of being, you know, we've got, we've, on the one hand, we've got people that think it's, it's, it's BS, it doesn't work. And then we have the other people that think it works too good and we'll make them do all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, when that one movie uh, came out, I'm not even going to say the title of it, but it was pretty, it was pretty recent, came out. Um, somebody, uh, somebody asked me, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it? And I was like, I was like, she was a yoga instructor. I said, look, if they made a movie about yoga and it depicted it completely inaccurately and gave people a bad impression of it, would you want to watch it? Of course not. I eventually did watch it and it was just what I expected. It was BS. It was total, but I get it. It's, it's kind of a fun thing to, to make people think that we can, that we can do these things. You know, we can make people kill people or whatever. And it's, uh, it's just ridiculous. You know I mean? It's such a, the, the thing that, that, that is so frustrating about it is because 
It's such a powerful tool for transformation. And we give people kind of a taste of that, you know, on stage. You know, if I can make somebody think they're Taylor Swift for a few minutes, think about what we can do in the office over over three to six sessions, you know. I mean, um, it's such a powerful tool. And people get this idea that either one, you know, it doesn't work, or number two, it works too good and they're going to give us all their money or whatever. And, and believe me, that doesn't work or I wouldn't, I'd be in Hawaii, you know, <laughs> retired. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I've seen adults that really be playing like uh, blackjack or, or, you know, like, oh, no, that's 21. Okay, good. You know. Um, yeah. Because I remember, that was the movie. Is, is the movie you're talking about? Let me get it. I don't even want to say it. Was it Get Out, the movie you're talking about? It was. Yeah, it was Get Out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they have a big scene where she was, like, sinking to the floor and the tea and all that. Yeah. You know, um, the other one I, I, I told, I asked you about was uh, the one I like throwing up, Office Space. Where he gets hypnotized oh, yeah. and the hypnotist gets a heart attack and yeah. dies mid hypnotism and yeah. he has like reawakening his life and stays hypnotized. He changes his whole outlook on life and changes his life. Yeah, um, I love that movie too. I think that was. I think that's that's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, if 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 you know if you're if you're in hypnosis and the hypnotist you know died or whatever, you just pop out of hypnosis eventually. You just fall asleep and then wake up and and. Uh, you know, I mean, changes like that could happen over time, but I, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna like change their entire life like that in just one session, you know, and and uh, and make and be and, and sort of like um, making kind of absurd, you know, because that was kind of absurd the way he went about it. So you you really wouldn't make that kind of absurd uh, changes in your life. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think of, so, so, okay, so a lot of times in movies, they have, like, sleeper agents, like, a, a, a recent yeah. one is um, Avengers, Captain America, and um, Bucky, that if he hears a certain combination of words in order, he turns into, like, the evil spy. Mm-hmm. That's not true, correct? Like, but you can't really do that. You can't make somebody go, I'm going to impact this hypnotic thought in your head, but it won't be triggered until you hear this word randomly, like, any time in your life, you be like well, so here, triggered by it. Well, so mostly no. Here's the thing. So if I gave someone uh, a suggestion, no, I'm not saying like if if I mean if you if you started somebody young enough and you you worked with them long enough and hard enough and and they were just the right subject, they were maybe that twenty percent or something uh, that could be that were really highly suggestible. Just mean they'd take the suggestions really quickly. You know, maybe you could do some stuff. But the thing is, is um, like, say I give some, if I gave somebody a suggestion that they were Taylor Swift and I didn't remove the suggestion at the end, they might still kind of think that for a little bit, but they're certainly not going to think about it. They're, they're going to think that the next day or the next few days, you know, or like I, I do the, what's that? Uh, if you ever hear Taylor Swift music, you kind of feel like you're Taylor Swift. We're all Taylor Swift in, in, in one way or another. I think. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, yeah. I just started using it because it was, uh, it was a popular, it was popular when I first started doing it. She's all encompassing and always globally popular, and she was popular before she was even born. Whoa! I am uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just joking. I'm not a yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> I just want to. I'm not like the people I'm joking. Just in case. 
just in case they don't know that you're joking. <laughs> yeah, because I come out uh, very dumb, so they can't, they don't know I'm joking. Just assume I'm just dumb. I just I really am that weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to date Taylor Swift so that she could break up with me and then write a song about me and I'd become famous. I think she wrote a song about you, but it's not about having a soccer thing. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't she just sticking out about dandruff? Like, wasn't that about you, dandruff? Um, yeah, it could have been. Could have been. Bald dandruff is the worst kind. Who? who old fans? Yes. You ever been in a concert where you, for some reason, somebody dragged you there, or you, for some reason, you stick out, like you're older than everybody around you? Have you ever been in a concert like that? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm going no. to a rap concert uh, or a hip uh, singer. And I don't know who that is, but I think I'm gonna. I have a prediction. I'm gonna be the the um, young, the oldest person there. Um, <laughs> let me ask you something. Okay, so you do hypnotism. You help people quit smoking. You help people, you know, control their weight. Um, when is when it's they say with us quitting smoking, because smoking has affected my family. Say some they have to have multiple sessions. Do they ever regress back to smoking because of all the media, all the advertising? Because I think, I think, um, you know, alcohol, smoking, everything that people consume, only Pepsi. We are kind of hypnotized mm-hmm. at a young age to you know that brand, and some people just start smoking. If somebody yeah. is cured by smoking, will they still fall back into it? Just because there's so much around them, like the advertising, will they get hypnotized back by the corporations to smoke? Do you know? Or what's the threat straight to people well, stop, stay quit, well, stay, stay not well, so, Yeah, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm working with a smoker, um, so some people will, a lot of people, I mean, I'd say about 30, 40, 50%, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50% of my clients will, will quit the first, the first session, but I do two follow-up sessions just to make sure they're going to stay stopped. And then what I do is, uh, because, and because I've been affected by smoking too, my mom actually, uh, she recently passed away because of uh, emphysema related, related causes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, she had emphysema for the last 20 years of her life. And it's a, uh, and not only does emphysema take you early, it makes your last, uh, you know, 20 years of your life freaking awful, really. Uh, the one good thing that came out of it was I quit immediately when she, after she got diagnosed. Um, so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I'm very, you know, very, um, it means a lot to me, people quitting smoking. So what I do is I actually, um, if they ever start back, uh, which they can, and, and I don't know exactly why. I think a lot of it is just because they'll, they kind of give themselves permission because they'll go through a stressful event. Like I had one client, her father passed away, and so she went back to smoking, you know, she to help her get through. But, you know, the thing is with stress is we all have our go-to, you know, because we, we all have to deal with stress in some way. Some people do it with comedy, with making people laugh. Some people do it with, with alcohol. Some people do it with sex, whatever. And that's just what they've chosen. And so what I do is, is I guarantee it. Like if you ever go back to smoking, then, I, then I, I work with you until you quit again because I don't want you to go back to smoking. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, um, on the road, I've, you know, a lot of people on the road as a entertainer, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, comedians or anything on the road, it's kind of depressing on the road alone. Um, 
do you ever feel that, like other entertainers that you tour with or something, that you could help them out with maybe addiction problems with hypnosis, but maybe it's kind of hard to bring it up to them because they're they're entertainers too. They're kind of like they don't want to change it. Like, do you ever feel like compelled to help people with your hypnotism, like that you, you might work with? Well, or? It's kind of a fine line because, you know, I mean, I do. I, I, I really do. If I see somebody that's, you know, um, you know, smoking weed, for instance, for anxiety, you know, uh, because I know that, that a better treatment for anxiety is, is, is hypnosis and, and then using the weed if you want to have fun, if that's, if that's what, if for recreation, or if I see somebody overconsuming alcohol or smoking, you know, yeah, I do. I want to say, hey, let me help you. But I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to infringe on them and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't know, put myself in that, that place where I'm trying to offer advice unless they ask for it. So if they ask for help, I'm happy to help them. Otherwise, I let them just live their life. Yeah, it's kind of so much things you can do. Um, I mean, every once in a while, I tell somebody, you know, like, hey, look, I, I, you know, hypnosis could help you with that. You know, whether you, you work with me or somebody else, I'm happy to give recommendations because it is a little tough. Like if you know someone, there's some, some boundary issues. And so it's not always a great idea. And they, and they may not feel comfortable, you know, because they, they don't want to they don't want to tell you, you know, be open with you or something. So I'll, I'll refer them to somebody else a lot of times, too. That's awesome. Uh, you also do the is it weight loss or is it more like um, eating management or what wasn't what's the. Um, thing you work with when people lose weight or is it you hypnotize them to eat better, hypnotize them to work out, or is it more of a get to the root of why they might be overweight? Is like a, that, that's really, that's, really that's actually a very insightful question because um, this is what I was told, like nobody becomes significantly overweight and by significantly, I mean, you know, 50 pounds or more overweight just because food tastes so damn good. So um, there's 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 always something else going on. Now sometimes it's physiological. Some people have you know problems with their thyroid, and or you know they go through menopause and those kind of things. So it messes with their hormones. But for a lot of people, there's there's trauma involved. There's childhood trauma. There's there's all kinds of things involved. And so my you know I will talk with them and I'll I'll tell them you know my. My default setting is to try and help them without digging up the past because that's because digging up the past, even though with hypnosis, you know, we can make it a little easier and make it safe. It's still it can still be uncomfortable and I'd rather avoid discomfort as much as possible. So what I might focus on in the first couple sessions is is just helping them to eat better and, and exercise or whatever they they want. And then if that's not really kind of working for them or working as well as they want, then we might like, we might need to go back and do a regression and find out, you know, why they're, they're doing this. A lot of times it's self-protection. Yeah. Are there any other things that you like besides, let's say somebody has a specific issue, like maybe a, a social media addiction or uh, maybe they have um, OCD or something else specific, like away from smoking that fits and you help people out with anything that they were working with or is it just certain field that you're good with or can somebody come in with like you know any random problem or habit they're trying to quit yeah you know i get a lot of emails from people and they'll say things like uh can you help me be better at video games or can you help me you know to come back on social media i mean really because i did i i did this video with a with a bunch of kids and i got like over a million hits on it and so uh, I, a lot of those views uh, were from from kids, and so 
they they want to help with video games, but uh, you know, or you know, can you help me? You know, quit drinking, whatever. And you know, I hate I hesitate to say that hypnosis can help you with anything um, because that makes it sound like a panacea, and as we know, panaceas are are usually BS. But if you think about it like this, if you this is the way I like to say, it. a friend of mine said this to me, and I was like, oh, that really really makes sense. If you can think it, we can change it because. There's this part of us, you know, like right now, you and I are talking to each other with a conscious mind. That's the, the part of us that is literally conscious. There's this other than conscious part of us that's sort of operating in the background. And there's a good reason for it because it's, it, um, it, it, it runs, I mean, it's, it's managing, you know, uh, carrying, you know, fixing bruises or, you know, it's physiological things like that. So if you, it's the healing process that it handles that. It also handles, um, it also, um, is where we store our habits. It's if you think about like a computer, um, it's like the hard drive, and then our our conscious mind is sort of like, like that random access memory. But so our you know the operating system uh, on the hard drive, it's sort of you know we always want to do things habitually because it's easier. Yeah. And and um and so that's why you know we want to try and build healthy habits. For some people, they've built some some coping mechanisms that weren't really all that effective. So for instance, somebody deals with stress by eating a Big Mac or smoking a cigarette, whereas a better strategy would be to take some deep breaths or go for a walk. And so really, because all of our behaviors um, are at that unconscious level, when we talk to it with hypnosis, it really can fix uh, or help. I mean, just about anything you can think of. Are there any people who are maybe disappointed by the limits? Let's say, you know, I studied or read about, like, monks who are able to meditate and change their physiology, um, like their temperature, and they they put their mind Mm -hmm. to it. Is hypnosis, is there a limit to where you can help people with their hypnosis? Like, you can't make people, you know, you can't have them cure diseases, you can't. Is there like a limit to hypnosis that maybe somebody wants you to say like, oh, I want to not have back pain. I want to not, you know, be hypnotized not to feel my back hurt or something like that. Or I want to, you know, is there a a limit to hypnosis, like self-healing? Some people um, can't really have a source, but Facebook, (laughs) Google is a source or something. Or some people meditate and like cure themselves and stuff, um, or do you think they do? I don't know, like um, psychosomatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so the thing is, so there are limitations, I'm sure. But my my feeling is that hypnosis or something like hypnosis truly will be the medicine of the future, because if you think about it, so like well, like back pain, that's that's a pretty easy thing. Pain is pain is is pretty easy to address. You know, usually about three sessions, people will feel remarkably better. Um, I've even done just quick 10-minute demos, and people have decreased their pain by 20, 30%. That's that's pretty easy. But as far as, like, the actual healing part, I really do think that because because we already can heal – Right. We can, we can, we can, like, we can, like, if you get a, if you get a cut, your body can heal that. So my thinking is, why can't we use our mind to go in and, and tell cancer cells, Hey, look, stop replicating, you know, or tell the healthy tissue to flush it out. So at some point, so I think that in the future, that will be, 
the medicine. And yeah, you know, you asked about temperature. Uh, I've helped clients that were going through, uh, through menopause to help them with hot flashes. You can totally, awesome. you know, uh, reduce temperature, increase temperature, all those kind of things with hypnosis. Yeah. Well, that, that was fascinating. We're about to wrap it up. Um, Jim Toner, a lot of things you offer. I don't know if you want to plug any websites or anything like that, how people could contact you, could help them out with everything. Well, you know, if, um, as many of you may know, if you, if you know, if you know me, my, my tagline is dang, dang, I'm, damn, I'm pretty because I'm really about self-esteem and I want to help people increase their self-esteem. So I actually have a, uh, hypnosis download. If you want to try hypnosis and increase your self-esteem, uh, you can go to jimkellner.info slash Magana, M-A-G-A-N-A, and, uh, and you can get that for free. Awesome. Thanks for uh, giving me a, a link. Special yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I usually, for my self-esteem, I just remove mirrors from all my house, from my house. <laughs> and, um, that works too. And um, I, I, uh, I grow my facial hair to cover my face. <laughs> uh, we got ten seconds. I'd like to thank Jim Toner. Check him out on his website. I'll have all the links in the description. Hire him. He's good. Thanks for coming out. Or check it out. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks.